from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is John Small, and I am the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. We have a great show for you today. Really cool guest. I am joined by Rob Sims, who is a former NFL player for the Detroit Lions, where he played guard. And these days, Rob is the co-founder, along with his former teammate, Calvin Johnson Jr., of Primitive, a cannabis research company dedicated to helping understand medical marijuana, especially among professional athletes. And Primitive recently collaborated with Harvard University to research how cannabis can help people with CTE, which is a progressive and fatal brain disease associated with repeated traumatic brain injuries. We hear a lot about that, especially among former NFL players. And both Robin and Calvin will be doing a keynote address on this topic at the NCIA's Midwest Cannabis Conference, which is taking place on September 22nd and 23rd in downtown Detroit, Michigan. Rob, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me, John. Appreciate it. Rob, for those who might not be familiar with your career, just give us a little of your backstory in terms of football. You began, right, you went to Ohio State and your dad, Mikey, was actually a former defensive lineman. So I guess football was in your blood from from early on. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. You know, my, my, my father, uh, Mickey Sims, played for the Cleveland Browns back in the late 70s. So I grew up a Browns fan and native of Cleveland. Um, and when you live in Cleveland, you've got the chance to go to Ohio State to play football. You take that chance. So I ended up going and playing for the Ohio State University, uh, which I had the opportunity to start in 40, 40 games and also uh, play the national championship game as a uh, true freshman. So had a great career there and uh, had a nine year career in the NFL being drafted firstly by the uh, Seattle Seahawks playing there for four years until I was traded to Detroit Lions where I finished up with playing for them for five years and started 80 straight games. And obviously I, that's where I met a, a ton of, made a ton of uh, lifelong friendships and Calvin Johnson being one of those uh, people. We, so we decided to go into business after that. Now you could have picked a lot of different businesses. You picked the cannabis business. First of all, tell us a little bit about what Primitive does. So primitive is a primitive is a cannabis company. We are working to be both in the medical and the recreational market, as well as uh, the way me and Calvin got into the business was we were investing in real estate. Um, I have a small real estate background. Uh, I was involved with the Remax of Southeastern Michigan, so we had a franchisor for a Remax here at a title company, a mortgage company, um, and also did some just residential uh, buying. And uh, the cannabis market and cannabis real estate was starting to take off. Um, and uh, Calvin was just retiring and wanted to get into the space of real estate. And we kind of jumped at a couple opportunities. And one thing led to another. And you know now we find ourselves being advocates and championing cannabis and research and along with real estate and building a company. Now, this real estate, is this uh, stores? Is it grows? What What is the real estate that you guys um, own and uh, purchase? So, yeah, the real estate we do own, uh, there is currently a grow there. And we are buying real estate around home to be a new dispensary that's opening up here soon, shortly towards the end of the year that we are buying uh, real estate around that as well. So, you know, our journey is still not written. We're still fighting to, to uh, not only buy real estate and build a brand and license and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we were still championing and advocacy for the plan as well. So we got a lot of different hats that we're wearing. It just kind of happened like that. But, you know, very fortunate to be in this position. Yeah. Now, why cannabis? I know, obviously, there's an opportunity there from a financial standpoint, but there's also, I think, more to it uh, in your story as far as 
the med, you know, believing in the medicinal properties of it and stuff. Do you have a background with cannabis? Tell me a little bit about, about why, how, why cannabis was the, the industry you decided to focus on. Well, I, I think you, you mentioned, you know, my father earlier, uh, my father-in-law also played in the NFL. Uh, so my poor son's got both his grandfathers and his dad to play in the NFL. So he got some shoes to fill. Uh, maybe hopefully he'll do shoes business and bypass all that, become a, a very smart businessman. But the NFL has a, you know, like an underlying culture of cannabis. Historically, guys have had to learn how to play with injuries and pain and things of that nature. And cannabis is something that guys use. And, uh, you know, for such a long time, you know, we didn't talk about those things because, quite frankly, it was it was frowned upon and things like that. But kind of when the opioid epidemic kind of came about for me, I was kind of sitting in the space. And here was this natural plant that I was using and guys like me were using to play a game that was extremely physical and it was doing it naturally. And then you had all these folks that were dropping dead and getting addicted to all these opioids and. You've seen all the headlines about that. And, you know, it was just an opportunity for me and a moment of clarity for me that what we were doing wasn't from the devil and that we were going to be a part of changing people's minds about the stigma of cannabis and really ultimately being able to help some people to get off of that stuff and get into some substance more natural, something that's not going to get you addicted or kill you or destroy your family. And the way we look at it is that we're in the quality of life business and this is just our medicine. It's so interesting that you say that there is kind of like a secret cannabis club within the NFL. And I've heard that from a few players that we've had come on the show and and, and in all sports, really football, particularly because of just how injured people get and, and the physicality of that sport. Was cannabis even used back in your day, dad days or was that a time when it was like really taboo? You know, I mean, it was it was taboo back then, but it was it was definitely used football players in general. I mean, not only cannabis, but if you went back into history, I'm sure there's some other substances that have been used that, you know, really wasn't for the benefit of a, of a player by chance, but it was just, you know, the wave of the, uh, it was the wave at the time. I mean, very similar to how opioids had to been administered out by different teams. You know, there were other, there were other drugs um, that worked. So yeah, it was taboo, but cannabis has been around since the beginning of time. So it has, it has been definitely used by other players and players in my dad's era, my father's law era as well. And, um, you know, now it's crazy because they're in their, they're in their, their, their later years and learning how to deal with the pain that they suffer from injuries and they are getting reintroduced to it. So it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting time. Yeah. Right. Now, a lot of kind of older people from an older generation. Yeah. They kind of like during the kind of like sixties and seventies, you know, with recreational use, et cetera. And, and then they didn't use it. And now, yeah, they need it for their, to, to manage their pain and their, but you know what's really interesting is also you are really focusing on CTE, which is really new research into how cannabis can help with that condition. Is that something that you've have firsthand experience with seeing it, how it's helped people that you know in the league with that? Yeah, I think that part comes out of desperation, right? There's a lot of guys that you don't really hear about anymore that are really struggling mentally, um, have taken a lot of hits over the years. You know, their families don't know where they're going to turn. To the doctors don't really know what to do about it. And really the only thing we can, I mean, with CT research was, you know, basically if somebody or a football player would die, they would donate their brain to medical research. Well, I wanted to, you know, I have three young children myself and I didn't want to be the guy that potentially was the guy that they donated his brain to research. I wanted to be the guy that was able to find the solution uh, while I was still living so I can enjoy myself and my family. I wanted that for other guys. So find some opportunities to meet with some some unbelievable people at 
at Harvard, Dr. Nguyen is one of them. I mean, he's the head of the Global Institute of, of Medicine and the International Phytomedicine of Medicine and uh, Phytomedicine and Cannabis. So we just had this great opportunity. And, and obviously with Calvin, you're going to get more eyeballs. And we were able to put ourselves strategically in some really good places. And the future is, the outlook is bright for that. And we just look forward to being a part of the solution, no matter how big or small, we just have an opportunity to be involved in cutting edge research and, you know, really being advocates for the research. So how exactly are you guys involved? What is the, are you spokespeople for the research? Are you providing your own cannabis to research? Are you talking to, are you bringing certain players in to be researched? Yeah, I mean, it's still developing. Right now we put our money where our mouth is and and we have an investment with Dana-Farber and and Harvard to be able to do quality assurance testing on our products, as well as putting together a plan for the actual research. We've learned, if anything we've learned, we've learned that uh, we make big moves, we better be right and we better take our time to make sure it's polished. So we spent a lot of time in developing some new products and bringing some people close that can help us develop those products so we can research something that'll be very beneficial. And those, uh, you know, you know, obviously COVID that slowed us down a little bit, but we're getting back on the, uh, on the, in the saddle, so to speak, and uh, ready to take off with some of those initiatives. What are you, um, anticipating or what do you hope that the research will show? I know that you haven't, you know, you're just, it's, it's underway now, but is there any kind of expectation? I think for us, this is really about quality of life. Do I think we're going to find cures to CTE and pain? No, but I do think that we'll be able to bring something to the table that is, is polished. You know, we always looked at our, ourselves and our brand and what we wanted to do as it being really polished because Calvin was very polished coming out as a player. He's always held himself to a certain standard. So the brand had to, rec- had to, uh, had to go along with that. So I think for me and just the quality of life business and what we talk about is really we want to be able to find treatments. There are answers. We know it does work. We just really want to know why it works now and be able to share that with people like ourselves and people dealing with other neurocognitive issues and pain. Hey everyone, John Small here. I wanted to tell you about a really cool and exclusive event that Green Entrepreneur is hosting on October 27th in Chicago, Illinois. It's called the Green Growth Summit, and we're gathering some of the top names in cannabis, both in Illinois and around the country, to talk about how to build and grow a successful cannabis business. I mean, we've got Jim Belushi from Belushi's Farm joining, Al Harrington from Viola Brands, plus executives from Cresco Labs, Wana Brands, Green Thumb Industries, and so much more. But here's the catch. We've only got 150 seats available, so you'll want to get in on this quick. To reserve your seat, go to greengrowthsummit.com. That's greengrowthsummit.com. I hope to see you there. So let's get back to you being in the business of cannabis, because a lot of our listeners are in the business. People say this is one of the hardest things that they've ever done uh, that get into the business. Now, you were also an NFL player for many years. So I think that was probably pretty hard. But uh, <laughs> but as far as like the challenges that you face, you know, are you finding it a tough business to be in? Do you when other people, normal people and actually NFL athletes, I'm sure a lot of them are now approaching you about, you know, should I get into this business? What What do you tell them? Well, first and foremost, you know, this has been this has been more difficult than being in the NFL, if you can believe it. There are tons of hurdles in this, and it's not only is it a new, it's a new industry altogether, right? But couple that with you've got two former NFL players that this is their first startup. 
And when most people think it would be easy and people will roll the red carpet off for us, it's just not like that. In fact, it's the opposite of that. We're targets. What do you mean by that? Well, there's so many different phases of this business, whether it's, you know, cultivating and, you know, retail. But from our point of view, it was just construction and things of that nature. And everybody is a self-reclaimed expert in this field where the industry hasn't really been along, around long enough for people to call themselves an expert. So there's just, been, you know, there's a ton of going back to the drawing board, a ton of, hey, you think this is some, a person you can hang your hat on that's going to treat you fairly and be right by you. And that's not the case. Right. People see you as marks because you're, they know you have deep pockets, Resource. right? And resources. <laughs> exactly. I understand what you mean. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think more than that, you know, and what me and Calvin and Barnes pride ourselves on is, you know, putting good days on top of good days. Uh, we know how to build a team and more on top of that, we just know how to roll with the punches, you know, playing in the field. That's the one thing you learn is that you're going to get punched in the mouth. Can you recover? And how do you recover? I think we do a pretty good job of that. Now, do you guys create product as well? Or right now, are you just growing and doing this, setting up storefronts? You have your own product, right? Yeah, the primitive product is, is on the shelves here in Michigan. And we've been in talks about how to expand that outside of Michigan. So, yeah, that, that's just like I said, that's just one aspect. You know, we've got a ton of other things going on. Our thing was to build this this brand that could stand up to any other brand. And I think we've done that. We're a smaller brand, but I think we have one of the biggest voices, you know, judging by, you know, some of these opportunities that we're going to have because of our profile and speaking at the Midwest Conference, the NCIA Midwest Conference, you know, things like that. We've turned almost into advocates more than anything for the plant, for the space, for people, you know, we just joined the last prisoner project, things like that. And kind of the rest of it is coming on behind that. And I thought it would be the other way around. But when you've got a voice uh, like we do and opportunities that we have, it's so important that we are out there speaking about helping people and overall helping mankind. So that's where that's kind of just where we are. The bottom line is important to our company, like every other company is, is close to breathing, but it's not the main mission. The main mission is to is to bring quality of life you know, to more people, better quality of life. It's a great message and well, we need that in the in the plate in the um, in the space. Tell me, are you you mentioned there's like a stigma? Do you get any pushback from people because, you know, you're a, a role model, et cetera? Do you get, have you been getting pushback from unlikely and likely people because you're in this business? I thought to be in the beginning, you know, most of the pushback was from uh, my mom and Calvin's mom. <laughs> really? What do you think? What are you doing? You know what I mean? It's not, it's, not, it's not how I raised you, that kind of thing. But I think we've shown them both of them, which is you know, obviously very important to us both, that we're doing it for the right reasons and our brand is authentic of us. You know, it's not something that we are just, you know, we're lying about and making, we're not the gorilla with blunt in the mouth kind of brand. We're, we're a much different type of brand that is focused on, you know, quality of life and, and really helping some folks. And I think because we've been true to that message and been authentic with that message, people have taken a different look at cannabis and then us ourselves, how we walk around our day is we're actually doing what our vision is and that's changing the stigma. Like I'm able to still live in the town that I go to, my kids go to a Christian school. It's not like they've lost friends and we've lost parents because of that. Now we do have to do some explanation every once in a while, but once again, we want that because we hope we want the conversation to be started so we can talk about why we're in the space. Well, I don't want to give away too much of your your um, keynote at the NCIA event in uh, Michigan, but what can people expect? I and mean, what are you guys going to be talking about? Kind of what we're talking about today or what? Yeah, I think what we're talking about today, I think right now, the tone where everything is, is really focused on the brand. 
is really focus on the things we're doing around the brand. Let's say I mentioned last Christmas project, this the Detroit homegrown uh, fund that we were able to donate to that focuses on uh, you know social equity in the space. Um, it being you know I think we're like two or three uh, percent minorities that are actually in the space or African-Americans that are in the space. So we know that's low. We know we, we have to represent not only well, but we have to help more people get into the space. So I think those are our focuses. We're always down to talk about the challenges because the folks should know that this is this is real and it's very hard to navigate, that it's not easy. So anybody that's getting into the uh, space, we would like to just give them some of our experience so they can maybe, you know, not make some of the same mistakes that we have is really important to me. What were some of the mistakes that you made early on that you, if you could have over, I mean, you mentioned maybe connecting with some of the wrong people, some people who are, you know, claiming to be experts and really aren't. Is there any other things that you remember that you did kind of incorrectly that you kind of wish you'd done differently? It's so many, you know, this is a different podcast because of the mistakes that we've made. It's because it's a business that has so many different parts and because there is no, there is no just right way to do it. Right. There's a lot of different ways of skin a cat that almost in everything you do, there's mistakes. And it's really about how do you live with the mistake and how do you pivot from the mistake? So I would say every single facet of the business, you know, construction, building a brand, hiring somebody to build your brand, you know, hiring somebody to do construction work, hiring an architect, any of that, all of that, at every single spot, we hit roadblocks. And the ones that will be able to weather the storm are the ones that will see the fruit of their labor. So we try to motivate folks as well, because this industry is tough. And at times you will have roadblocks and you will have some some sleepless nights, but it's important that you stay in the fight and it's important that you have the right mission, which I think we do. And that has always allowed me to have the faith to keep on going forward. As far as being an entrepreneur, did anybody give you some advice early on? Uh, did you talk to other business people? And, and I'm wondering maybe what something that really stuck with you that you've kind of used this very day as far as advice. I think my story, why I want to be an entrepreneur, my uncle was a Ford dealer growing up and I would like take, you know, even in college, man, I was just so interested in him being the boss, so to speak. And I would sit there and watch how he would manage people and feed in the people. And it wasn't about just being the boss that was coming down on everybody. He was the guy that was trying to motivate you, try to build you up. So I adopted that and what I want to do. But I think one thing I've always learned from him is like, you can't lose if you don't quit. I've seen him take shots and he's been able to overcome them, whether he lose a business or whatever. He's always continued to get up and keep working. And I think if anything, especially in this industry, is that you got you to gotta take that with you. That's got to be in your lunchbox every day. That Hey, no matter what, if I'm going to get into it, I'm just not going to quit. I'm going to weather the storm and keep going. And um, I think more than anything, that's what I've what I've learned. I, I had all the I had all the business professionals say, do this and do this and do that. And we would try to do it the right way. And then again, there was roadblocks that we had to overcome nonetheless. So if anything, man, I would just say that, like, if, you, if you're going to make a decision to be part of this, you understand you're going to be part of it. It's going to be going to take some shots and learn how to get through them. Well, I mean, it's a fascinating story. I'm really looking forward to, to hearing clips from the NCIA conference and, and hearing more about what you guys are going to be doing with your with your business. Predictions about the NFL as far as their policy towards cannabis. Do you think they will be more, do you, do you predict that they'll be sort of more tolerant of it? I mean, I know that they've made some strides, I think with CBD, but do you have any feeling about that mindset changing? I think the conversation has been started, which is all we can ask for right now. The NFL being a ten billion dollar company, uh, like I know in, in our small, small little, our small little company and little stuff that we do, decisions take a long time. 
So I can imagine when you got a big company, you got $10 billion you got to you know, worry about, you know, these marketing dollars and those marketing dollars, that that's going to take a little bit of time. And, we, you know, as players, you may have to give up something to get it. That's just the way it works. But ultimately, because the conversation has started, hopefully you don't hear the stories like the Ricky Williams and the Josh Gordons that did use like other folks were using, but really had careers that they lost or were cut short because of that. And I think right now, as players, that's what we got to hang our hat on, is that that is changing. And next, we just got to keep on, we have to keep on staying the course. And eventually, they'll see. We're starting to get the calls. I get calls from coaches, current coaches. I get calls from current players, guys that don't know about it, that are asking. And um, it'll come to fruition, but we just got to be patient. You mentioned Ricky Williams. Is there a kind of a brotherhood between the guys in the league, former guys in the league uh, who are also now in the industry? I know that I talked to, um, I can't think of his name right now. He's actually on the Seattle Seahawks, also has a cannabis company up in Washington. I mean, there's a few of you guys now. Are you guys kind of talking? Is there like a Facebook group, <laughs> private Facebook group or something where you guys talk a little bit about <laughs> about the industry? I don't think it's a Facebook group, although that's a really good idea. We probably need to get that going. But there's definitely open lines of communication. We did Ricky's podcast um, when Ricky visits here in Detroit a little later in the year. We're going to spend some time and visit and see how we can help each other. Lofa Tatupu, who I played with in Seattle. I played with Lofa. So, you know, I know early on he was before me. I was going out there and seeing this, seeing what he was doing and seeing this stuff. So it's an open line of communication. And, you know, we're, we're pioneers in this space and getting into it. And the way I look at it is that we have to help. We have to help each other. We have to build a team, which... We know how to do. So, uh, you know, I think we'll, we'll be good. Yeah. Well, Rob, I thank you so much for taking the time and, and best of luck with the company and look forward to hearing a lot more from you guys. Hey, thanks, John. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now. That's W-R-I-T-E. To get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's rightaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later.